He's a legend of pop culture. He's the only living actor to have topped the box office in the last six decades. And he's one of the most inspirational people of our time. Countless people have run up the Philadelphia courthouse steps and raised their hands in the air triumphantly, mimicking his iconic character. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm talking about the one and only Sylvester Stallone. I recently had the privilege of interviewing Sly for an Ask Me Anything in the Planet Sly Discord. It's a social channel dedicated to his upcoming NFT launch, on which I am a founder. Our members had great questions that provided insight into Sly's mindset and where he finds his inspiration. So coming to you from Puerto Rico, Mexico, and on set with Sylvester Stallone in Oklahoma, this is the Yo Adrian, episode number 607 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Who's bad? And yo, uh, welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. I don't think I can do the voice really well, but I bet Travis can do it better. I don't know. I've never talked to the guy, so I don't even know what he talks like. I've seen him on a movie or two. <laughs> Just give me a Rambo scream or something. <laughs> But I'm also on the big screen today. I don't know if you notice looking at this video here. I'm on the big screen and uh, I'm larger than life. And uh, that's how I live my life. One day at a time, larger than I should be. You're just right-sized, Travis. You're, I'm Travis right size. You're Travis right size. Listen, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor here today and let you guys know that modern crypto mining can really suck. It uses a lot of electricity. It can be bad for the environment. And Gather Network has figured out a way to both reduce the environmental impacts of crypto mining and help web publishers earn extra money from their content. So basically, visitors opt into the service and it uses the user's idle processing power to mine cryptocurrency. So basically, you got your computer, and while it's not doing nothing, your processor is just sitting there, you know, reading the newspaper or something, it could be mining crypto for you. If you want to figure out how to monetize your web content, get rewarded, go to gather.network, check it out, and we will be having them on the show in the not-too-distant future so that we can ask our questions and get more answers directly from them on, on what they're doing. Yeah, we gotta gather around the campfire, children. We'll roast the marshmallows. It'll be be great. Uh, So, a number of months ago, boy, probably six, seven, or more. I don't know. A year ago, we had that first call a year ago when I was in Palmas. How about that? So it was a a year ago because I remember when we were having a conversation with those guys originally. It was when I was in that place in Palmas, my Airbnb. That's how wow. I know exactly what it was. That's right. That was a long time ago in a Palmas far, far away. I yeah. remember that. Over I, a year ago. It would have been over a year ago when we had that call based on the timestamp right now. Wow. So uh, long and short of it is I'm co-founder of a project called Planet Sly, and we're working with Sylvester Stallone, had the opportunity to meet with him at his place in Florida and discuss creating a PFP project that would um, create massive value 
for holders of the project. Stallone's real goal is to engage and interact with his fans and connect with them. And so planetsly.com is launching soon. The website is up. The Discord is up. Our community is over 25,000 people right now. And we told the Discord community that when we hit 20,000 people, uh, Stallone himself is going to come on and do an AMA and people can submit all kinds of questions, whatever they want to ask. And so the, interestingly enough, because our team is answering so many of the questions about the NFT project in the discord and on the website, the questions that people wanted to ask were of a more personal nature. Like, you know, Trev, if you could ask Sly a question about anything, what would it be? Well, actually, I would say this is that if I hadn't been in Dubai, then I would have probably flown to Florida with you to meet Sylvester Stallone that day that you met him. And uh, it's like, so my question is, Travis, why was I in Dubai instead <laughs> of going to meet Sly? Uh, well, you were doing Dubai instead of Sly. But uh, no, honestly, if you had a, a question, you've seen movies and you've followed his his career. What would you want to know? Um, I would probably be something Rocky related or something along those or, or it's like, I'd probably ask him, what does he think is the worst movie he ever made? Like what oh. movie does he hate the most? And it was probably shoot. What was the one? Like don't stop or your mom will shoot or something like that. It probably, I think it was one of those, like what was his least favorite movie? He yeah. Made? Or maybe rhinestone. Although who wouldn't like working with, uh, wasn't it Dolly Parton that was in rhinestone with him? Wasn't Robert Redford in that too or something? I, I don't know. Don't, I don't remember. I don't think I even watched I don't think I That was Rhinestone Cowboy. That was a different yeah, one. That was I'm different a Rhinestone Cowboy. Bow, bow. So anyway, this is a uh, a 45-minute uh, Ask Me Anything that had the opportunity to do with Sylvester Stallone. Many people from the Discord got to ask questions directly. I read the others and had a couple of questions of my own. So uh, if you go to, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll actually see Sly and just hear the voice of myself and the others that um, got to ask him questions. If you're just listening, the reason that it sounds like I'm remotely is because they recorded it in Sly's trailer on location for a TV show. This is his first real TV series he's doing. You'll learn more about that in the AMA. And that's why I sound distant. His recording is great because he's right there in the trailer himself. So without any further. My recording that my recording uh, sounds non-existent because I wasn't there. Because you wasn't there. I'm just here for filler right now and to be on the big screen before I'm the main attraction before you see this Sylvester Stallone guy. He's new. He's upcoming guy. You might, you might, you're going to hear maybe more about him in the future. Yeah. It'd be a thing. You know, you might want to pay attention. Might want to pay attention to him. Yeah. All right. So grab your popcorn and here we go with Sylvester Stallone. Let's go. Forget about it. Do it now. Fantastic. Sly, it was great to see you in Florida. Really excited. The whole team's super excited to um, be working on the Sly guys with you. Uh, before we jump into the AMA, why don't you go ahead and tell people what it is you're doing in Oklahoma City? Okay. You busted me. I'm doing a thing called the Tulsa King, which is a fantastic project from Paramount+. Plus. It's the same team that does Yellowstone and the mayor of Kingstown and Taylor Sheridan's company and also the group that did um, Sopranos, the writers and the showrunners, which are really the key 
People don't understand when you hear showrunner, it's even above a director. They're in charge of everything. They're basically the power on the set. And we have the best, a fellow named Terry Winter. So what they're coming up with so far has been extraordinary. I, I don't know if I'll ever make a movie again. I think I'll stick around here. I like this. This is interesting. Yeah, tel television is a different beast than uh, than motion pictures, isn't oh, it? Oh, big time. Uh, first of all, I, I barely, I just bought a, a trailer. I don't think I get to it four times a day. It's just non-stop. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're in movies. You could literally sit there for five hours, and they bring you out for about a 10-second shot. It's, so it's like, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait in films. Not this, not this business. No. Well, we're going to look forward to, to seeing that show for sure. For anybody who's fans of Yellowstone, you know this is coming from an amazing team. Yeah. And with Sly in it, it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Uh, so we have a lot of questions for you today, Sly. And uh, the, the first four are going to be asked by the individuals who submitted them. They have uh, shown themselves to go above and beyond the call of duty in the Planet Sly community. And we've got 25,000 people in this community. But these four in particular, uh, they're going to have an opportunity opportunity to ask you their questions directly and so the first one that I want to bring to the stage mm -hmm. to ask a question is TSBR I'm going ahead and inviting you up here now uh, good sir so make sure those of you who are on the list here to ask your questions to make sure you're on the ready when uh, when I invite you up so we can get that question perfect um, all right let's see while we're waiting on him to join, I'm also going to enjoy Sly Stallone, Philadelphia. You can come on up. And um, there's there's Sly, Sly Stallone, uh, Stallone, Philadelphia. Let's go ahead and you go first since you're the first one to pop in here. Say hello. Hey, uh, Mr. Stallone. It's an absolute honor to be speaking with you today. My name Thanks. is Tony DiGennaro, and my four kids and I are diehard Rocky fans. Movies have been a huge part of my family's life, and, and we really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Uh, so we live in... Oh, you're, you're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, we live here in Philadelphia, and I think it goes without saying that Philly loves Rocky. <laughs> Even though Rocky's just a fictional character, right. Philly is really identified with him. I feel like he represents us and he's one of us. So my question for you is, why did you choose Philly as the setting for the Rocky series? Well, that's, that's a good question because... Usually, the majority of these fight films that I grew up on were always seemed to be emanating from New York or Chicago, New York, Chicago, Detroit. And I had a period where I was a little bit, uh, I guess, lost as a teenager. And I said, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I literally, at 16, left school. And I didn't think I was going to leave it permanently, but I, I was just truant. I had, I guess attention deficit, I, you know, it's just hard to concentrate. It's nothing unusual, but back then, they thought you were just uh, a juvenile delinquent. So I said, okay, I'll leave. And I got a job along the waterfront, Front Street, Fishtown, and back then, these were all ships and longshoremen, and I got a, drive, uh, I got a job driving a forklift and, you know, three-quarter ton trucks, I, and I really understood that world. So... Jumping ahead about, you know, five to ten years, I was not making it as an actor, at least not the way I thought. I was always being cast as kind of like the tough guy or the miscreant or the bully. I said, you know what, maybe I should just take this character, which is pretty limited, and write a story about him 
as a guy who is seen on the outside as being a wise guy, intimidating, dressing in leather, the hat, the cut-off gloves, but inside, he's really a nice guy. He, he's lost. He doesn't know what to do with his life. Now, we have the character. I needed a city that reflected this underdog feeling, a city that has culture, that has history, but has also been dealt some tough, tough situations. And I thought, Philadelphia, there it is. That's a very unique city. It, it's, it's respected, but it also is very, very feisty. And it's a comeback city. The athletes, the fighters, they all have a unique Philadelphia sound and look and feel. So that's why I, I, I did Philly. Did Philly. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Mr. Stallone. That, that's all. We love you here in Philly. <laughs> Thank you. That's Appreciate fantastic. it. Thanks, Slice, to love Philadelphia. Well, we see your tweets and how uh, uh, you know excited you are about this, so we're really glad to have you in the community. Uh, while we're waiting for a couple of the others who uh, have the opportunity to speak voice, here's a question from DB Acting. He says, hey, Sly, what do you think it will take for the action genre to thrive outside of comic book films? I don't ask that as a hater of comic book movies, just a fan of the classics and wonder what will keep the genre fresh. Oh, boy. I don't know if we're ever going to have that golden era. Uh, when I started out, there really wasn't an action film thing, per se. There would be action beats, like a car chase or something like that. Uh, if you hear any extraneous noise, I'm on a movie set right now, and we have forklifts and people, like, like, like when I grew up, trucks grinding, so we're trying to get rid of them as we speak. We're good. <laughs> okay. We're, yeah, I'm bringing you a little color from the environment here. Yeah. So, it's very, very difficult uh, to find action guys, real action guys, not karate, not kung fu, not wrestling, but it's a unique blend. There's maybe been, in my estimation, three or four guys, period, that have been what I call action guys and not martial artists that kick and kick. No, that's... You don't have to be that. Like Arnold wasn't that. Bruce wasn't that. I'm not. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's going to come back because it's a different era. And more importantly, they're not taking chances and trying to find guys like that anymore. They, they'd almost politically right now, they're considered, you know, oh, is this toxic masculinity or is this, you know, guys being behaving badly? And I think unless there's a, there's a shift back to that sort of mentality, which I think is happening, by the way, when you see films like Yellowstone, I mean, shows like Yellowstone, and uh, they're very, very desirable, and they're, like, I think they're starting to proliferate. But you're not going to see it for a while until the studio finds a reason to make these films. And right now, they think that it's not exciting enough, it's not big enough. Like Marvel, it's a, these are 350 million, 400 million dollar productions. And they're very exciting. They're not grounded in reality, but they're entertaining. A reality, like First Blood, A, it's very hard to do. Not many people want to do it. It's incredibly physical. And it doesn't have any CGI. So you're not gonna have a lot of guys volunteering for that gig because it's rough. Uh, and also, like I said, politically, 
it's not the era at the moment for that kind of guy. I believe it'll come around. And there's a lot of tough guys out there and talented guys that would like to take a shot at it. So, but it, at the time, I, I just don't think it's the time at the moment. So I'm glad to have been enough. able to do it. Appreciate that answer. Thank okay, you. we have one of our uh, uh, fans right here, TBSR. You get to go ahead and ask your question to Mr. Stallone. Hello, Mr. Stallone. Hi. Uh, this is a pleasure and, uh, and an honor. Some I've been waiting a long time uh, to, to, to speak with you. Um, I, I was engaged a year ago. We went to Philly, uh, ran the Rocky Steps to celebrate. Oh, and now I'm hoping uh, for our honeymoon we'll be in Miami to meet you as things are just lining up perfectly. So, uh, and I, I'm just hoping that all works out. But I wanted to know, originally from Brooklyn, a big fan of Lords of Flatbush. Uh, it was a long uh, right. time ago, uh, early memories. So I wanted to see if you could share one with us uh, from early in your career and what you thought of Brooklyn at the time. Well, I was unaware of it. I mean, I was, you know, I grew up in Hell's Kitchen, New York, and so I never really left Manhattan. So I came back after a long journey, living here and living there, living in Manhattan. And I had no idea that I was ever gonna do Lord to Flatbush. I was actually helping another guy audition for an acting class. I had basically almost given up on acting. And <laughs> there happened to be the director sitting in the audience and the fella who was auditioning didn't get the job. And the director goes, hey, um, why don't you be in the film? And I go, I don't know. And anyway, we lost track of each other because they had no money to make this film. This film, I think, all in was maybe 200 grand at the most. And they're borrowing from their dentist, they're borrowing from their relatives. That's how the film was made, on a 16 millimeter camera. So I lost track of the guy. And he finally got his money, but I could not find, he couldn't find me. <laughs> and the thing is, the fellow that auditioned with me hated my guts at the moment because he goes, hey, you know, you, I auditioned with, for the movie, you get the part and I get nowhere. So he wouldn't tell the director where I live. But finally, <laughs> after about six months, they knocked on my door because I didn't have enough money to have a telephone then. And they found me and the rest is history. Then we got to Flatbush. And I said, wow, this is a whole unique experience. This was great. And before you know it, I, I just fell in love with the whole attitude, especially in the uh, early 70s, of Flatbush, New York. Great. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, thank you so much for sharing sure, that. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, just, just amazing. Thank You're you. Just uh, a big idol of mine and just wanted to thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the question, TSBR. Thanks so much. You can uh, go ahead and uh, well, bring it back to the audience. Uh, I can't tell from all of the usernames here if we can have a mod to assist. I'm looking for Tribal Warrior and Kukov that get to ask the questions. If you're not one of those two people, please lower your hand um, in the uh, the, the request to speak, and that'll help us identify you. In the meantime, we have a question from Mantis Toboggan. He says, yo, Sly, love your body of work. My question is, music is an integral part of our lives. A good song can make us laugh, cry, or lift weights at the gym. What are some of your favorite mood-boosting workout songs to listen to, excluding Rocky Soundtracks? Ah, <laughs> what? Hey, not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> I tend to, there is, <laughs> I tend to go for a hardcore 
70s rock and roll, which is to me very, very driving and animalistic. And some of the groups perhaps you've never even heard of, like White Trash, that was Edgar Winter, fantastic. You talk about driving music, that was fantastic. And then again, I vacillate to Doobie Brothers and Mike McDonald, which is not driving music, but it just keeps me, I don't know, just feeling good. And if you feel good in the gym, then you work out. Uh, some music, I understand a lot of people use like rap music and very hip hop because it's, it's a driving beat. But I tend to like vocalization um, and old school voices, you know, like Bob Seger and things like that. And gentlemen like that who have this really powerful, heavy duty masculine voice, which is kind of like part and parcel of real rock and roll. So that's what I listen to is that era. Great, great answer. Stan03 wants to know, who was the person that mentored you the most in Hollywood during the beginning of your acting career? <laughs> well, unfortunately, nobody. It's When I got to Hollywood, I was persona non grata. Matter of fact, I would go up on casting calls and they would look at me and go, you know, you have a speech impediment. I said, I wasn't aware of it until you told me, but I guess I do slur a little bit. They said, really, you should look for other employment. So I didn't have any mentors, and that's why I turned to writing. Uh, I had a couple of small parts on Kojak and Police Story at the time, and it didn't fare well. I realized I just um, was going to be, you know, I'll be around for a year or two, maybe doing these kinds of shows, and then I was going to be gone completely. I just felt that I didn't have the sustainability. Because why? Because I, well, let's, let me just clarify this. Unless you have a character that connects big time with the audience and develops an indelible impression, such as, Bruce Willis was going around, he wasn't doing so good, and then he does Die Hard. Bang. There it is. 30-year career. Arnold floundering around doing this. Bang. Terminator. Me, same thing. Rocky. Bang. And I realized I'm never going to find this part because it doesn't exist. So that's why I turned to writing. Now, trust me, I had no writing skills whatsoever. Never passed an English course in my life. But through trial and error and just desire, it came about. And then I just wrote about my insecurities, my dreams, my this, my that, and lo and behold, other people identified with it. So sometimes you don't need an actual on-the-ground mentor. You perhaps can take a role model or someone who said, oh, yeah, this fellow here. Like when I was growing up, I was skinny. I was not imposing at all, to say the least. Then I went to see a movie called Hercules Unchained at 12 years old with Steve Reeves, and I saw the future. I said, that is the path I'm taking. I want to be like that guy, that mythical figure, which is a joke. It's an absurd dream, but it pointed me in the direction, and that's what I think mentoring is all about. Looking around until you find a fellow's career, you go, huh, I'm going to I'm gonna follow his route. I'm going to read all about him. I'm going to try to see if I can align my stars with his stars. And that's that. 
that that worked out well for you. Life uh, <laughs> says, "Sly, I love the winning attitude you always convey in your movies. That Thank idea you. of there's nothing that will hold me down. It's so inspirational to so many and so natural to you. What is it that pushes you to greatness in everyday life when you've already achieved so much? You know, what motivates you? What inspires you? I think there's the soul." is bottomless. I don't think there's a, my ground zero. Oh, I, I hit the complete floor of my ability. I don't think that exists. I think that the more you dig deeper, the farther you go. The higher you climb, you realize, oh, wow, this mountain keeps going. It doesn't end. We sometimes try to create a scenario, well, I have nothing more to prove. That's not true. As, I mean, you can always prove more if you want. Quite often, you know, you perhaps have gotten a little down on life and you say, I'm not that happy anymore. And if you're not happy, you're not going to be ambitious. So I try to keep my mood up. The point is, I believe that you've got to continue to push forward to find some, I don't know, uh, challenge. I mean, for lack of a better term, some goal. Uh, I like messing the whole, just taking all the cards of the deck and throwing them in the air and see what lands where. For example, I lived in California for 40 years. 4-0, big time. That's what you call a lifetime entrenched. Within three days, I said, I'm out of here. Gone. And one of the reasons I did that is I was settled in. I realized I was going in circles it was the same streets, the same repetition, same people. And I go, that's not interesting. And I can feel myself, my batteries going down and down and down. Once I moved away, oh my God, you talk about stimulation. You're on fire. You have a whole new environment, stimulus, this and that. Now, I'm not recommending that everyone moves, but if you start to change your pattern, and I was, oh, I'm not going to go to the store. I'm going to go to this restaurant. I'm going to go to that neighborhood. I'm going to try this. I want to dress this way. All of a sudden, your brain is getting new stimulus. And one thing activates another. So inspiring. Uh, one of our users, Kukoff, submitted this question. He, he mentioned that he really loved uh, John Harrisfeld's documentary, The Making of Rocky versus Drago. He says it's one of the best behind-the-scenes docs that he's ever seen. <laughs> really? Um, and he hears his question. He, in the documentary, he you said this, life is about management of problems. Whoever manages their problems best has the best life. So the question is, what are some specific tips and techniques you used for managing problems when you were a younger man, and how has that changed now that you're older and wiser? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I once wrote a line in a screenplay, I don't even know if it's original, but... Uh, if you don't get rid of your problems, eventually your problems are going to get rid of you. It's going to overwhelm you. And goodbye. That's the end. I found that it's really hard, but you know, you know what your problem is. You can't lie to yourself. I mean, you know it. If you're abusive, you're this, you're not good to your dog, you know it. But to not face it, to not so fix it. It's not brains. It's there. I found myself sometimes when I'm working on the set, I get a little annoyed or I get impatient. I get tired. I get short with people. And I could see it affected the whole set. 
Now, you apply that to life. In your house, you're walking around, oh, yeah, shut up, hey, where my shoes, get lost, I'm not happy. You don't say good morning, you don't say good night, you don't say I love you. It's like you're getting morose. Guess what? You got a morose house. So you are the architect of your life. You're the engineer of your trade. You are driving your own cab. So you can take it wherever the hell you want to go. So on the set, I decided to say to people, hey, you're doing a great job in wardrobe. Wow, that makeup looks fantastic. The cameraman, you know what? Your lighting is fantastic. When I tell you, they applaud. When I walk on the set, as opposed to going, he's back, they welcome me. And that is something that I've learned the hard way. I said, it's all about what you give out is what you get, period. 100%. 100%. You want to be a schmuck, you're going to be treated like a schmuck. You want to be nice, you're going to be nice. And people will be nice. And if they're not nice, you know what? Later, that's their problem. You find mean people, guess what? Pity them. Because they're stuck in that head. At least you can get in a cab and leave. They can't. They are caught in that horrible syndrome called their brain. <laughs> okay? Seems like a really opportune time to say, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's a fun one, and you could be brief, or you don't have to elaborate on it, but the question from Relic Ton was, Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man and Mr. T and Rocky, which was more fun to work with? Oh, I think Mr. T. Uh, Mr. T. Why is that? I, because I felt as though he was a fresh canvas. I saw him literally as a, a bouncer doorman four years earlier. I said, this is really a unique individual. Uh, I, I, it's the mohawk, the chains. He was wearing a tuxedo with no shirt. I went, okay, and tails. <laughs> so the time came four or five years, four years later that I ended up writing Rocky Three. I auditioned professional fighters, Joe Fraser, he gave me stitches, Ernie Shaver was a knock me call. I said, forget real fighters. <laughs> but I recalled that guy because if he burned that kind of impression into my mind that I'm still thinking about him four years later, can you imagine what the audience is going to be like? So I brought him in and I realized he was like fresh clay. You could mold, and he didn't have any bad habits, and he had great voice. He had great pipes. He had a look about him. So by far, he was a pleasure. Wesley, on the other hand, I don't want to smack his face every day. I'm joking. <laughs> he was a great guy. We had, we had a great time. But Wesley was already a star, and he had his own world and this and that, whereas Mr. T became like very close, like family. That's great. Karina89, the stage is yours. Ask uh, Sly your question, please. Karina89, are you with us? Make sure you're unmuted because we can't read lips um, and we don't have smoke signals here. What? So I'll let you figure that figure that out while you are uh, figuring out why uh, you're not able to talk. This question from YalloXOX was, Hey Sly, can you tell which role gave you the hardest time ever in terms of preparation? Oh man, the hardest time ever. Well, if there's, that's twofold. Are you talking about mental or physical? Because, well, whichever way you want to well, answer Well, no, that. no, physical, when I was doing Rocky Three. That, that took a toll, I mean, big time. And 
So did the uh, Expendables 1. After Expendables 1, I was never the same. I ended up having, you know, three neck surgeries, back surgery, both shoulders done, bronchitis, shingles, you name it. And that film did me in. Actually, it, it dampened my uh, desire to ever direct. I said, that's it. I'm done. It's life is too short. Forget it. Uh, but right now, no question, at 75, and this is, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. I'm facing my greatest challenge. I have in this streaming show called Tulsa King, there's 10 episodes. Each screenplay is about, let's say, 60 to 65 pages. That's 650 pages. I have to learn close to 475 pages of constant dialogue. 475 pages. Not just my dialogue, I have to learn the other fellow's dialogue so I can have this rapport. So I get up at my age every morning at 4.30. And I sit there for three hours, banging away, banging away. You can see it, I have it. I mean, my screenplay, everything is here. I'm just working, working nonstop, writing. Um, I don't know if you can see it, all the notes, this and that. It's just, uh, it, it's never ending, never ending. So that's the kind of challenge. Now, sometimes I wake up and I go, I, I can't do this. I, I, I can't hold it together. It's too much. It's way too intense. I'm in every scene. And then I feel sorry for myself. I mope around, have a cup of coffee and go, hey, come on. This is, you, it's too late now, bro. You're out. There's no coming back. You're, on the, you're in the middle of the tightrope. You're either going to fall off or try to get to the other side. And then I just keep pushing through and, and that's it. So that's the challenge I'm talking about. I put myself in a predict where I could be in a situation where I could be humiliated, completely embarrassed. I have this giant hundred million plus show riding on my ability to remember and act. And I go, okay. And well, even if there's <laughs> ever any question, there's this guy who posts videos on Instagram. Hello, and he, I'm he here. Ah, Karina, you're with us. Great. Right. Uh, go ahead and ask Karina. your question, please. A slide. Uh, hello, Sylvester. I have a question. Uh, what was your reaction when you were chosen to play Rocky? Uh, what was the first part of the question? She, she asked, what was your reaction when you were chosen to play Rocky? <laughs> I, was, I wasn't chosen, but uh, no one else wanted me, so uh, the reaction was kind of miraculous. Um, I didn't think this was ever going to happen, obviously, because they didn't want me. I didn't have any credentials, and there were so many guys back then that were stars that wanted to play the part. So it was miraculous, and then I got scared, like, oh, God, I talked a good game, but... I don't know if I can pull it off. I haven't done anything even close to carrying a film. So to put it lightly, it was exhilarating, terrifying, and then edifying. It was the ultimate validation. So I was really happy that I chose myself. <laughs> well, and to be clear, I think there's a lot of people that don't understand how that happened. That's your script. That's your story. Yeah, yeah. And in studios wanted it, but they didn't want you to play it, and you insisted, right? I did insist, I did insist playing the role of Rocky, 
but it was it was a difficult choice because I was flat broke, and they were making extraordinary offers at the time, and I didn't know if I could really pull it off. I didn't know if I had the acting chops, but it's one of those monumental crossroads you're going to face that it's like marriage, having a kid, getting the kind of job. Did you make the right choice? Did you marry the right person? Did you get the right job? Are you raising your child right or wrong? And that I realized that if I, and I needed the money, man, I'm telling you, I was flat, bro, 106 bucks. It's all my dog. It was over. But I also realized if I quit, if I give up, which is exactly what the film is about, not doing, I would hate myself for the rest of my life. I knew it. I just, I would always, every time I saw a feature, every time I saw a film, I say, that could have been me. But you quit, Sly, and now you got to live with it. And I know my nature. There's no way I could, I could have handled that. So that's why I was all in. Yeah, you said you shot. sold your dog, but a lot of people don't know the happy ending there. What happened next? <laughs> well, my dog Butkus, I remember I was living in the valley. It was boiling. We had no air conditioning, nothing. Actually, my wife was walking around with Kleenex in her nose because of nosebleeds from the heat. <laughs> and the dog, the big dog, <laughs> really. I, kept, I said, you got to stop bleeding into the spaghetti, honey. I can't, I can't tell the difference from the sauce. Choking, sort of, not really. Anyway, the dog, I couldn't afford dog food anymore. It was that broke. And the dog was big, so he ate a lot of food. And I went to the 7-Eleven and put up a for sale sign. A fella came along and bought the dog for 40 bucks. And it killed me because I had raised that dog. Was I've never had a dog since like that because when you're broke, he's with you every second. I had a, you know, like a hundred square foot apartment. Nothing. It was like a closet. Me and the dog. Can you imagine? Like nose to nose every day. <laughs> and the movie was sold. And I want to get my dog back. And the fellow goes, no, I got, please, come on. He goes, no. And eventually I ended up paying $1,500 back. Now, this is 1976. That's like $10,000, $8,000 today. And he had to get a part in the movie. Uh, yeah, he did. That's a badass move right there. That is, you know, that is the icing on the cake that Lucas became a star. He did. Along with you. Everyone, every, everyone went along on the ride. So, Denuncio wants to know, that's a great Italian name right there, right? Yeah. Denuncio, Denuncio. Uh, asks, what is the biggest missed opportunity and why did it happen that way? Do you see any opportunities as missed opportunities? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was no missed opportunities before Rocky because there was no opportunities, period. So I didn't miss anything, but I missed a lot of opportunities after Rocky because of perhaps pompousness, perhaps of arrogance. Uh, our business brain wasn't turned on at the time. That's primarily it. Also, artistically, um, I was supposed to do some very, very important films. For example, the first film after Rocky, they wanted me to do a thing called Coming Home. And 
John Voight did it. I said, I don't know if I want to do this. And he wins the Oscar. Then I was supposed to do Witness, Romancing the Stone, all these wonderful opportunities that I regret not taking. But more importantly, on a personal level, there's a lot of missed opportunities family-wise. And those I regret deeply because movies are movies, but blood is blood. And I wish I could have gone back and been a better parent it wasn't as though I was negligent, not at all. I was gone. I was gone. Back then, they had a term called filling slots, which means you would book yourself for two movies, two and a half movies a year. That's a lot. Back then, movies would go 90 to 100 days. Rambo was 140 days. So you're gone. Think about it. You're gone... 200 plus days a year out of 360 days. So you come back, you almost have to wear a name tag, say, hi, I'm dad. <laughs> Remember me? Kind of a thing. And you can't get that back. So right now I am really embracing time. I use the term time as my currency and I'm spending it wisely now because I squander a lot of time. So that's the name of that. I hope everybody, hope everybody reads between the lines clearly on that one. I mean, you know, it's a year 75 now and you've, right. you know, you've done a lot of amazing things and it seems to me family is still, that is the most important thing. It's not oh, about the fame or far. money or any of that. Yeah, it's true. No, no, it's not money. I mean, there, that's, I can't take that, you know, to hell where I'm going. <laughs> I can't take that with me. No, but... The daughters, I, I really am intensely, uh, let me see, obs obsessed with talking to them, FaceTiming, getting, and they're blossoming. I said, why didn't I do this before? I mean, if you show people attention, you know, people are like flowers. Don't water it, guess what happens? Give it attention, yeah. it grows, period. But I was too foolish and self-absorbed because, you know, let's face it. People, especially, I don't know about women, because I can't, I am not you know, a woman, definitely. But men have this need to arrive at a certain place, hopefully by a certain age. And you're so obsessed with finding your place in the world, and you feel that time, boom, you feel the time, march of time, beating down, and why am I not here at this time? Why is that guy ahead of me? that quite often everything else gets pushed to the side because you want to you want to establish your, your your course you want to establish you want to plant your flag in your future there okay i did it this is where i want to be and now i can relax a little bit well a lot of things suffer on that on that front because you are absorbed with accomplishing your goals and everything else is secondary when you get older, it's a really you regret it. Good. You just regret it. It's an interesting balance, isn't it, throughout life? Uh, here's a fun one for you, Sly, from sure. Ozzy Bro, and I'm going to do it with the, with the accent. He wants to know your favorite Arnold movie. <laughs> My favorite Arnold movie. Um, let's see. Arnold. Hmm. Well, you know, you can say, I think Terminator 2. Um. I tell him, I said, you have the easiest movies in the world to do. You just walk down the middle of the street punching the crap out of everybody <laughs> and no one hurts you. I go, unfortunately, my characters all get beat up, smashed, 
cut, shot, this and that. And of course, I'm joking a little bit, but I believe that his films were, he's, he's a very witty guy. So he was good. I think, I think uh, True Lies was very, very good because uh, he combined everything in that. You know, the wit, the this, the romantic aspect, the charm, and then great action with a great director. So that'd do it. That's great. You know, for some reason, I just hear him from Kindergarten Cop going, it's not a Toma. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a question from Scully for you, Sly. He wants to know, have you ever visited your father's hometown in Italy? No, I'm kind of nervous to do that. A, B, and C is because I don't speak Italian. And I think that would be kind of mm, uh, inconvenient and embarrassing do work it through an interpreter, hello, and this and that. It just, I don't, I don't, maybe it's better left un, unexplored because uh, I don't know if it would be, plus all, by the way, all my relatives are pretty much gone from there. You know, they've sort of moved on in age and else, elsewhere. So I don't know if it, if it would work out very well, I might be embarrassed. But I, I do look back on it. I, I hear the stories from my aunts. I remember my father. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and they said, oh, it was like Disneyland. I'm not sure about that. But it did seem to have a lot of charm, and I have to be beholden to it because I guess I emanated from that area via my father and mother. Yeah. Well, Sly, so you know, we really appreciate you coming on. I know you've had a very long day. You've probably got to go back on set soon and get a few hours of sleep, get up in the morning and, and do it again. Yeah. Um, so, and again, and, and again, and again, and again, uh, until it's done, I want to let you have the, the last word here. And, you know, you've got a lot of people that are listening now, a lot that are going to be listening to the replay of this that couldn't make it live. I want to give you the floor to just inspire um, and people, you know, how, would say whatever you want to say to to motivate and lift them up for whatever challenges they're facing right now. Well, that's a tall, tall order. Do you have about ten hours? Because <laughs> this is, I could write a novel on this. Please do. <laughs> uh, I know. Maybe I will. A girl today said, uh, "Mr. Stallone, uh, I, I'm an actress. She's one of the extras, and I was an extra, so." I, I get it. She goes, do you have any advice? I went, wow. Well, there's so much out there, so much competition in this, not just in my industry, in the world in general. You have to find what you think you're a specialist at. In acting, if you feel comedic, if you have a rough exterior and kind of a deep voice, you're not gonna ever be hired as the love interest you're gonna be the bad guy. So focus on being that interesting bad guy. And there are certain actors that have played that kind of heavy and have worked their whole life. I think in the real world, you have to say, what can I do that I really enjoy and I'm fairly good at? I may not make a fortune, but I like going to work every day because this sort of interests me. And when you take a job, just for money, which often you have to. Uh, it's just a placeholder. You're, you're not emotionally attached. It's like being in a relationship with someone that you don't love anymore. And you know how that goes. So 
Find something that you love or you think you can grow to love and focus on that. And I know I'm simplifying it, but I promise you, for example, if I didn't make it as an actor, I go, okay, that was a big possibility. What would you have done, Sly? And I go, I love horses. I love the smell of them. I love this. I love that. I love the way they look. I would have gotten a job, I don't care, in a barn, a trainer, something, you know, selling saddles, <laughs> something in that world that I just have an affinity towards. That's about it. That's great. Well, you know, we wish you the best with your shoot there for Tulsa King. Are you able to say which streaming service is going to feature it? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on Paramount Plus, folks. Paramount Plus, forget everything else. Go to Paramount Plus because in the future they are pouring a fortune into their business and they're developing incredible shows. Their streaming service is second to none. And I'm not just saying that because we're on Paramount Plus. Matter of fact, my daughters have a reality show coming up that we're going to start filming this by the way i've never said this to anyone because it's on it's done by bruno murray who were the force behind the kardashians and it's a very very uh, strong lineup this is going to be incredible i am in a reality show i'm popping in and out i said oh my god what am i going to do but you know what like i said i want to spend time with my family and what's better when you're have to deal with each other all day long. It's going to be on film, so I'll be there forever in one form or another with the family. So that's also on Paramount+. Plus. So there's this synergy going on. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So I want you all to just pull up your socks, take your dreams, put them on your shoulders, welcome the competition, welcome those, those villains, and knock them out and just keep going until you achieve what you want. Never, never stop. Remember, even glaciers keep moving. They look like they're standing still, but they're moving. And they destroy everything in their path. So keep rolling. Keep punching. Sylvester Stallone, thank you so much, good sir. Pleasure. We are so excited to be uh, launching this project with you. And on behalf of everybody here in the audience and those listening to the replay, we really appreciate you, sir. Okay, thank you. So there you go. Uh, again, not a lot of details on the NFT launch and kind of unusual for, you know, bad crypto. But with crypto being in the tank right now, we don't really want to talk about it anyhow. You know, it's just it, it, everything's it's a sad, sad market. And I guess I can step back, um, you know, what I've been saying about us not being in a true bear market. This is it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a bear market. But Bitcoin is on a permanent bulls market. Right. You know, if you had bought um, two years ago or so, you know, you'd be up 10x still. So overall, yeah. Bitcoin is bullish. Yeah, the total market cap right now is 1.5 trillion down from <laughs> 2. Point whatever trillion it was. Bitcoin is at 31,000. Ethereum just hit 2,300. And so things are on a downward trend. And, uh, you know, that's why we've transitioned now bad crypto is now we do, uh, you know, bad celebrity interviews. 
And uh, we're starting off here. So we're changing the total brand. It's, we've been here like doing this for like five, almost five years now. So now it's like we're, we're going to pivot. We're going to do a show every once in a while, whenever we decide. We might skip a Wednesday show because Travis had really bad internet. And uh, so just the way it goes. Uh, you guys can't get rid of us that easy. We're here. We've weathered the bear market before. We watched Bitcoin go from 20,000 to 3,500. It's very uh, possible that we could hit the previous cycles all-time high of 20,000 again before we do the balance. But we know that crypto is here to stay. Bitcoin is here to stay. It is unstoppable money. NFTs are here to stay. And uh, this is just a downtime. Remember what Warren Buffett said, um, that you know you should be greedy when other people are fearful and be fearful when other people are greedy. And uh, remember what Jimmy Buffett said and order a cheeseburger in paradise. Mm. Um, actually, last night here in Mexico, I ordered some Jamaican jerk chicken, Oh, which is, which is really good. The awkward part is when you got to jerk the chicken, but it tastes delicious. <laughs> have you ever had jerk chicken? It's like I have. spicy mine. It's so good. In fact, have you ever met our friend Elroy here in Palmas? He's Who? A, he draw Elroy. He's, uh, I have not. yeah, he, he's a driver. Um, he does driving for, he lives here in the community, but he drives a lot of us back and forth to the airport and he is, he's full blown Jamaican man. He is, he is all Jamaican and, uh, he just got naturalized here. So now he's a dual citizen. He's a Jamaican, an American, a Jamaican, and, uh, went to his place for some authentic Jamaican jerk chicken man. Very delicious. Oh man. Yeah. This place was so good. Actually, I got some leftovers because they gave so much food. I think I'm going to do that now. So I want to say to everyone, thank you for tuning in. If you like what we do here at Bad Crypto, you know, feel free to give us a review. I mean, who else is bringing you awesome stuff like Sylvester Stallone and some of the other amazing people? I mean, hell, we had Ice T on the Nifty Show, right? We've had we've had some awesome. We brought Akon, like we brought some pretty awesome people to you guys, and we like to entertain you all and educate you and inspire you all to uh, to stay bad. How are we doing on that? I think we're doing okay. I think we're kind of middle of the road. Um, we're, we're some sub-average, probably. Sub-average? Oh, uh, I'll I'd say, say probably more. three and a half stars. You know, not a full five stars, probably not four. Shh, like, don't, don't tell them that. We want five-star like reviews. Like and about actually, about that was, I'm going to call that a faux stay bag because I want to mention that you're going to Minneapolis. So if people are going to VCon, um, then you yeah. might run into Sir Lord Travis there. In his I got all picture. kinds of stickers, man. All oh. kinds of stickers for y'all. I got Nifty Show stickers. I got AncientWisdom.io stickers, and then also going to have some uh, going to have some CryptoBots stickers. Oh, as well. So if you're yeah. running at Travis at VCon, say stick it to me, and uh, mm. and he will. And then the both of us. I don't us. have any bad crypto stickers yet because we still have some bad crypto stickers from our previous batch. But once we make the next batch, they're going to be all holographic and badass. I just have, you know, actually, I could probably make some and just send them to my place in Kansas City and pick yeah. them up before I go. Yeah, hurry up. And then we're both going to be in New York for NFT NYC, which is the event to be at mm -hmm. if you're in NFTs. Um, I think day so one is going to be at Radio City Music Hall. So if Travis and I have a chance to go up on stage, we will dance like the Rockettes. You know, I was, was really hoping it was going to be at Carnegie Hall, um, but I don't think we practiced enough to be at Carnegie Hall. You got you to gotta do a little bit more work. 
So they say, what does it take to play at Carnegie Hall? You got to practice a lot. And I'm like, fuck that. We're or just, break we your weight. Just break in. Break yeah. in. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> hack, hack it. Do a Tim Ferriss thing on it. Five out, four hour work week that and just get in there and play Carnegie Hall. That's good. All right. Okay. Here we go. Now you can, now you can for real finish. Maybe what I'll do is I'll just make a, here, here's what I'm going to do, Joel, is I'm just going to get a background photo of Carnegie Hall and just put it as my Zoom background. <laughs> there you go. So that's legit. That's a legit way. It's legit fake. All right. All right. So we say stay bad now, or yeah, no? we, you go ahead. You can say. You it. gotta say stay bad. You you led the the, the slide at Sylvester Stallone thing. Yeah, so you maybe say, I like it. To say you, it. You you say, say it. it with the Sylvester Stallone accent. Oh, you want me to be like, yo, stay bad. Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. They just add different colors here and again, little bits of uniqueness that make these stand out. So each one, as you purchase them, is unique unto itself. You'll never see the other one. Oh. Uh, I love this. Okay, I have a black guy. I'm obviously in some sort of tank top. I'll go cliffhanger-ish. One glove from Rocky, a pistol from God knows where, but I'll take it. Butkus looks like he's skiing. Rambo's tags and headphones because I don't want to miss a thing.